Hello and welcome to the debut episode of the Season Gaming Podcast. Uh, this is the SG BigCast. I'm going to be your host, Ainsley Bowden. I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Bert Sines. Today we're going to be covering some of the popular news across the industry, uh, what we think of the games that are out now and that we're currently playing. Our main topic tonight is going to be E3 2017, looking at some of the conferences and what we think each are going to entail. And then we'll close out with just a few uh, housekeeping items. So the big topic in the news this week, of course, was the Destiny 2 live event reveal. Uh, it's the first look we've gotten at Destiny uh, to see the gameplay and what changes Bungie's planning on making um, with the new installment. And Bert covered that for our site. So Bert, I know you were watching the live event reveal and you uh, took some good notes, kind of had some feedback on that. So what are your thoughts on uh, what you saw? Yeah, so first opinions. Um, it looks really good from a gameplay standpoint. Um, it's Once again, we're looking at a game that's in the middle of a generation. We're not in a new generation console, and the graphics do look like a massive improvement. So we're not looking at something that looks overly amazing or anything along those lines. But from gameplay and from the earliest things, everything looks really good. Um, online options appear to be improved a little bit from what we saw last time. There's no new massive uh, features that we're seeing from a gameplay perspective online. Um, they seem to be really pushing the community effect where they want to have more things with the community and be able to get people together in clans and they're offering clan support. So um, their vision looks really cool. It's cool to see Bungie kind of coming back from where they left off on Halo and not having the big missteps that they had at the beginning of Destiny 1. So from what I've seen so far, it looks really good. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was traveling this week, as you know, but as I got back and had a chance to check everything out, I, uh, I liked what I saw somewhat, but I also had some reservations around some of the information that's come out about it. So, you know, Bungie has since confirmed that the frame rate, even on PS4 Pro and potentially Scorpio, is going to be capped at 30 frames per second, and that they're still going to use peer-to-peer -peer server matchmaking, if you will, for uh, for multiplayer. So and that's a pretty big concern for a lot of players, it seems, right now. And I know they're getting a lot of feedback on it. So I don't know why they didn't plan better, if you will. Uh, you know, they, they did say that it's going to be an uncapped frame rate on PC, uh, which seems kind of baffling um, that, you know, all the other big shooters right now, whether it's Halo, Gears, Overwatch, Battlefield, Call of Duty, basically every competitive multiplayer shooter is at 60 frames per second now. So it seems kind of strange that Bungie would make that decision. I don't know your thoughts on that or if you think it's a big concern. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think it's going to be a big concern for the Destiny crowd. Um, I think they're going to soak it in for whatever it is. Um, unfortunately, I think the, uh, the Sony side of things is unfortunately what's capping uh, the 30 frames per second and the online nature of the game. Um, as we've seen, it, it appears that Bungie um, intentionally stayed away from making a deal with Microsoft and having a Microsoft Windows game and having it supported that way, and they intentionally went with Battle.net um, instead of going with Windows. So with uh, the Pro not having the same power as the Scorpio, I feel that we're going to be limited for that exact reason because as we have a lot of first-party games from Microsoft, you do have the cross-save feature. You can literally leave off one and come on to uh, your other console and that picks up right where you left off. Um, but with it being connected to Sony, um, I think we're kind of uh, held back for that reason alone, which is unfortunate. But um, as we remember, uh, Destiny 1 had some very rabid fans, and they still are playing um, hundreds and hundreds of hours. So I think when we get the Destiny 2 launch, I think they're going to not really care about it. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think um, 
you're right. The hardcore audience or the core Destiny audience, that's not going to be a big factor. It's going to be more about the content, the world building. And I think from that perspective, it looked like uh, Bungie was making some strides. I believe they said that the, the largest planet um, that is going to be in the game is the largest game space they've ever created. So that was good to hear. Um, they also said that, you know, they mentioned the word loot a few times. You know, loot was a big concern early on with, with Destiny, and it apparently got better over time. You know, I believe you and I both put a few hundred hours into Destiny early on, but we kind of dropped off uh, after those first initial expansions and, and never really came back to it. So I know for me, one of the things I saw in the video, and maybe this is just me being the kind of ARPG or, or loot-driven gamer that I am, but I noticed that in some of the multiplayer gameplay, it showed the guns that uh, players were using. And again, it showed them in a context when they were being highlighted of having a base damage value um and then you know potentially being upgraded just like in destiny one and, and frankly in my opinion it's just not a good system because what it means is that if i find a gun named uh you know the executor and you find that gun and 10 million other people find that gun it's always the same exact statistics and you know the core of any good role-playing game or ARPG with loot, in my opinion, is that ability to find variations on a gun. And when you find a better example of that gun, you really get you excited and want you to keep hunting and hunting. The whole like finding a, a standard gun and then having to upgrade it through farming is just not, it doesn't do it for me personally. I know like, we, like you already commented on, millions of people love it. Um, but for me personally, it's not really intriguing. So I have some reservations still, even with the gameplay looking pretty solid. Yeah, and really quick on that, um, and then we can move on to the other thing with, uh, aside from Destiny, um, the big news, is uh, if you remember from Destiny 1 launched, and where it ended, it's two completely different games. So one of the things that will actually affect in the positive nature with what Bungie does is they'll release their game, um, and they'll take a lot of fan feedback, whether it be positive or negative, and then make the changes that will get that back to a complete positive. Now, they still left some of the negative that was left there, but from what I understand, Destiny 1 and where they ended is actually a really cool now, and some of the DLC that they added made things a lot more positive. Um, the negative side of that is for the people that put in over 100, 200, 300 hours like we did when the game first came out, don't really want to start over from where they left off. Um, not solely in the game stuff that you were talking about for multiplayer stuff, but I think they're uh, experimenting very highly on their social stuff. I'm not quite sure if the clan um, thing is going to take off as much as they think they are. And I'm also not too sure if their guided game system that they really pushed at this announcement is really going to work as well. Uh, for people that aren't too sure on that, that's the system where um, someone that is you know, surfing around by themselves and they're wanting to join a clan and whatever, uh, whether it be multiplayer uh, with Crucible or if they're wanting to do a raid, they can easily you know, be left or, or join another clan, vice versa, if the clan's looking for someone by themselves. Um, there's a lot of positives to that, but there's also some negatives. And we won't spend too much time on that, but um, I think they're experimenting a lot. I wouldn't be surprised if the game releases in September and then we see a completely different game by even 2018 summer. So Destiny is uh, kind of known for that. Let's see if it actually triggers the way we're hoping it does. Yeah, good point. Good point. We'll see, I guess. So uh, another interesting piece of news that just came out today, actually, was that Platinum Games has announced that they're working on a new IP and that this new IP they're working on, they're going to own the rights to. So Platinum's uh, been making some headlines recently between the whole scale-bound fallout with Microsoft 
and Nier Automata coming out on the PS4 and being a more of a niche game, but gaining popularity due to good reviews and some uh, really good fan feedback. So, um, you know, Platinum having gotten popular more recently for Bayonetta, which I know you were a big fan of, Bert. Uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, Bayonetta 1 and 2 are some of my favorite games from last, and I guess technically this generation, if you consider the Wii U this generation, but not really. Um, and we have some really close friends that um, love Nier um, Automata. They're, they've already said it's their game for 2017. So I, I think it's really cool. Um, I hope it does. And I have heard rumblings that Scalebound is not 100% dead. So we'll see what that actually turns into. So good news from Platinum. Yeah, that's an interesting point I wasn't even going to comment on, but you brought it up. So good good point there is that Microsoft did confirm that they kind of renewed the rights to the Scalebound license or IP, if you will. Um, but apparently it's not an active development. So whether or not Microsoft brings that back in the future, we'll see. I know I know there was a pretty a decent sized group of people that were looking forward to it, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, so speaking of Microsoft and you know their their IPs, Minecraft, uh, which we seem to somehow touch on every time we we discuss games in general, uh, they did come out and confirm that uh, the Windows 10 version, so that is the new build of Minecraft, not the traditional Java version that most of the server games are built on today, but the Windows 10 version uh, will be cross-play with Microsoft One later this year, and on Scorpio it'll be a 4K version of that title. So, you know, Minecraft's popularity endures. Um, it'll be the first time that the console players and PC players, at least to some degree, can play on the same server. So this is uh, this is pretty big news for some players. Yeah, with Microsoft, uh, just for, I shouldn't say Microsoft, with Nintendo just releasing uh, Minecraft on the Switch, um, it's still shocking to me how many uh, units that game has sold. It's, I think, the closest competitor to um, everything that's selling as many units is Grand Theft Auto V. So Minecraft just continues to boggle me um, and how many people buying it. And I'm sure that when this comes out, it's going to sell like crazy, too. So awesome news. Yeah, you know, your point about Grand Theft Auto V, I believe, if I recall correctly, it was either 60 million units for Grand Theft Auto V now in Minecraft, even two months ago, was confirmed to have passed 120 million. So it's it's shocking. I mean, I know with just in my household alone, I think we own six or seven copies of Minecraft just on different platforms. So it's it's amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, another big piece of news uh, out of Bioware. So Bioware Austin, the team responsible for the original Mass Effect trilogy, has uh, been working on a new IP, which has simply been referred to as Destiny-like. So presumably some type of uh, large world co-op shooter. And this was a game that EA originally said was going to come out in their 2018 fiscal year, which means it would have released before March 31st of 2018. Um, so Wilson, the CEO of Electronic Arts, in one of their financial calls last week or two weeks ago, mentioned that this has now been delayed. So the game probably, you know, in all likelihood, won't release until uh, end of next year or, or fall of next year. But uh, this is some big news and something that uh, is supposedly going to be a very large title for Electronic Arts. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with a lot of Bioware's changes. I think there's been some uh, positive stuff from Bioware uh, this year, but also a lot of negative with uh, Mass Effect. So with all their changes and everything, I'd be interested to see what, what actually comes from this title. It's kind of unfortunate that we're getting another delayed title, but whatever needs to happen for it to be a better title, I'm okay with. Yeah, and I have to wonder with, you know, you always wonder right inside the industry if Destiny 2 had something to do with that. If this is a... Destiny 2-like game or, you know, something in that vein, and Destiny's coming out on September 8th and is going to be a, 
a huge bombshell of a release later this year. You have to wonder if uh, if Electronic Arts and Bioware thought twice about releasing in that same time frame, you know, to see if their game might have just gotten overlooked. So who knows? <clears throat> yeah, on the topic of EA, they released some interesting news this week um, regarding digital sales. Um, and they've mentioned that uh, digital sales should be up to 40% of all sales that are coming out. So for the collecting crowd and the people that like those hard copies, um, they're kind of going away little by little, but uh, thankfully it's only at 40% right now. So get as many, get your hands on as many uh, pieces of software as you can while there's still hard copies out there. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, so I think you and I are starting to become the minority, right? I know we both prefer hard copies. Um, that may speak to either our age or just the fact that we're both collectors of these types of things. But, you know, overall, digital sales just continue to increase. We've saw, we've seen the uh, the news out of GameStop, who's one of the largest sellers of physical copies, you know, just continuing to decline. And in fact, the 40% figure was uh, console sales. So we know based on some recent statistics as well that over 70% of PC game sales are now digital as well. Uh, and that, of course, is probably due to Steam. But this is a number that's just going to keep climbing. But uh, as you said, you know, people like us will just continue to collect those hard copies. So, yeah, I can't remember seeing a PC um, hard box game anywhere. <laughs> now I come to think about it, I, thought, I figured it'd be higher than 70 with services like Battle.net and Steam. I think it's almost too easy to, to go just digital on PC. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too. I wonder where that 30% does lie. But um, so continuing uh, with Electronic Arts, uh, another bombshell of a release later this year, of course, will be Star Wars Battlefront 2. And uh, Battlefront 1, despite being commented on by many as being a rather bare bones release, uh, you know, it kind of capitalized on the Star Wars license and the, you know, the, the Force Awakens coming back out. And, and later this year, we have the, the Last Jedi, and they're obviously going to capitalize on that with Battlefront 2. But this game looks to be much larger in scale. So it actually has a canon-based single-player campaign, uh, which is going to take place right after Return of the Jedi. And you're going to play the side of uh, an Empire squad, which will be really interesting to see how they how they write that. So uh, in addition to that, it's going to have you know large-scale multiplayer again. And they're also adding back the, uh, the space uh, battles as well, 24-player space battles. So this is a huge development for uh, Electronic Arts. They have three different studios working on this between multiplayer, the space battles, and the single player campaign. So uh, it's just nice to hear that this should be one that's just loaded with content and ready to be, uh, ready to be, excuse me, ready to go right at release rather than taking months to kind of uh, fill up. Yeah, and in that news article, the thing I heard, it was three times the size of Battlefield 1. So um, as, as we can remember, Battlefield, uh, sorry, uh, Battlefront, when that released, um, it was exactly as you said, very bare bones. There was only a few maps. There was no campaign, um, and it seems like they've really listened to um, the fans on this one. Um, and even more, just seeing that the cover art—you kind of see so many different time frames from the Star Wars canon—that um, really looks like it's going to do really well. So I hope it actually comes out, um, like you said, ready to launch with tons of stuff. Yeah, and I'll be there day one, uh, based on what I've seen already. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So it's neat. Uh, lastly, this really can't be considered news, but I can't help but mention it because this is by far and away my most anticipated title of the year, and that is Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, Red Dead Redemption is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Rockstar, as we've kind of seen over the years, is very, very good about keeping news uh, tight to the chest, if you will. Things don't really leak out too much from them. 
So whether we're not, we'll see them at E3 on someone's stage, uh, we'll see. But right now, a kind of small rumor came out that Red Dead Redemption 2 potentially will be releasing on September 15th, uh, which would be you know one week after Destiny releases. So we don't know if it's true. Uh, the guy who initially leaked it has kind of walked back a little bit. For what reason, we don't know. But uh, if that's true, then watch out because that's going to be by far one of the largest releases of the fall. Talk real quick about some of the developer news that came out and going back to uh, kind of Bioware and uh, Battlefront 2 and, and Mass Effect Andromeda and all the, the news that circled that game. So Bioware Montreal, who was uh, the, develop the core developer of Mass Effect Andromeda, has now been, some of their development team has now been moved over to Motive, uh, which is one of the three companies working on Battlefront 2. So that that the, those development resources have been moved over to help finish that game up. And EA announced uh, that Mass Effect development, new development, has been put on hold for the time being. So we all know the kind of uh, circus, if you will, that, that occurred after Mass Effect Andromeda released. And, um, you know, it's it'll be really interesting over the next few years to see how BioWare and EA handle the Mass Effect license. You know, do they try to continue down the Andromeda path or do they just kind of let it sit for a few years dormant and then come back with something different or new later? So we're not sure, but we do know for right now, there's no new Mass Effect development ongoing. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Um, for people that know uh, my games, uh, Mass Effect Trilogy was one of my favorite games from the 360 and PS3 era. Um, and the sad part of that whole thing is with Andromeda is I wonder what that means for DLC for the game. Um, if we remember uh, Mass Effect 2 and 3, they had some awesome DLC um, that expanded more on characters and some really cool missions that even made the main mission make more sense to people that got lost. So I hope we still get something from there. Doesn't sound like it, though, so I'll be curious to see who's been working on the DLC, if anybody has. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another piece of kind of interesting developer news, so IO Interactive which were the developers of the newest Hitman, the episodic Hitman, uh, were dropped by Square Enix, their uh, kind of publishing partner, if you will. So the rumor on this one is that IO Interactive is has retained the Hitman rights or the rights to the IP. Uh, I haven't seen any official confirmation of that. Um, but another interesting situation, you know, that's one of those where it apparently sold over 3 million copies, three and a half, if I remember correctly. So it's kind of baffling that you know, Square Enix just kind of was just did away with them. So, um, you know, whether Microsoft, Sony, or, or some other big publi publisher picks uh, picks up IO Interactive to continue the series is uh, we'll see. Yeah, and that's a super shame. Um, if you haven't played the new Hitman series, uh, the episodic one, it's actually really good. And um, I know a lot of people that um, put that in their backlog. It wasn't a big release for them. They weren't huge Hitman lovers in the past, but then they gave it a try and they love it. Um, I've played the first three episodes from it, had a great time, and there's so many different ways you can kind of attack the mission. So I've had a really good time on it. Um, and it's really a shame that um, that many units sold is considered kind of not necessarily a failure, but not meeting the expectations of the, uh, you know, the parent company. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I'm not sure who it was, but they looked at Tomb Raider um, not too long ago, um, and they found that to be kind of not to meet expectations, despite selling over 4 million units. So, Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It was Tomb Raider, and it was Square Enix. And uh, again, you know, you have to wonder, there, with the market being so large and, and so many games fighting for people's attention, when 3 and 4 million units is looked at as non-successful, that really doesn't make any sense to me. But hey, 
I'm not part of Square Enix or their uh, accounting team. So, so <clears throat> some of the new games that have released uh, over the past week or two. Um, so you you briefly commented on Minecraft for the Switch. Um, <clears throat> was there anything further kind of on that one that you wanted to uh, to discuss? I mean, I know the Switch's library, if you will, has kind of been uh, a slow a slow burn. So something like Minecraft coming to it, especially as portable as the Switch is, I know was looked at as kind of an important release. Yeah, so I do have a couple things on Minecraft Switch, and it is the performance of Minecraft Switch on the Switch. Um, and it's the fact that it plays really, really well. Um, Digital Foundry recently did a few comparisons between that and PS4 and PS4 Pro. Um, and Switch actually runs really well as far as frames per second and clarity goes. Um, there has been a few uh, uh, different glitches that have, I wouldn't say glitches, but I should say shortfalls because of the Switch hardware that uh, actually, um, when you're looking at draw distance as far as the scenery goes and, and landscaping, it does have a little bit of texture pop in that's unfortunate. However, one of the neat things that's available with the Switch is you can take it off the dock and actually play four-player uh, split screen on the, um, the tiny little six-inch screen, which is cool, I guess, if, if you're looking at that. Probably not for everybody, but for people that love Minecraft and you can play four-player split screen on the go, um, it's fantastic. So um, people are super excited about that one, and I know it's already selling really well. So that's good news for them. Minecraft selling well. The go figure. Mm -hmm. um, but no, the, when you mentioned the four-player split screen on the on the small Switch screen, the six-inch, uh, it immediately gave me flashbacks of uh, GoldenEye and Mario Kart on the you know the 17-inch old CRT TVs. So um, you know nowadays that's a that's a long distant memory but uh it is a, a really neat feature as you said uh so another new release was the surge and um that is a you know we're kind of running out of phrases to use for these types of games so souls like seems to be the popular phrase but uh it's a sci-fi souls like game um if i if i recall correctly Bert. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the surge is already being seen in exactly what you said. There's, I think there needs to be an official name for the gameplay styles. It's immediately said as a Dark Souls clone, um, but with the sci-fi um, kind of, a, I think the comparison a lot of people are using is what Ripley used at the end of Aliens um, in, their, uh, in her suit there, her exosuit. Um, really positive review scores. It's scoring pretty high on Metacritic. Everybody's liking it. What I'm worried about is that the game is going to kind of get shuffled um, into the mix of a number of AAA uh, software that's been releasing already in 2017. Here comes E3. Um, a lot of new games will take the steam from that. Um, and then with Scorpio coming and other uh, surprise releases, I hope people don't forget about the surge because from what I've seen, it looks really good and it's getting really good feedback from everybody. So hopefully it actually sells pretty well. Yeah, it's a shame, really. I mean, this first quarter, and now we're into the second quarter, of course, has just been phenomenal, right? So games like The Surge that are not a, a tried-and-true IP, it's a new IP from a smaller developer, they, they very quickly get overlooked. But you're right, I mean, feedback's been really positive on the game. I love the Souls games. Uh, I love sci-fi, so you would think this would be one I would immediately go for. And the only reason I have it is exactly what you said. It's just that I've already got, you know, 10 to 12 games that I'm working through right now, and it's just there's no time for it. So hopefully I do get time later this year to at least check it out. Yeah, a really quick note on the surge, too, is if, if people are kind of unaware of who the developer is, these are the guys that worked on Lords of the Fallen. So if you enjoyed that game, which was kind of a surprise for a lot of people, they intentionally kind of targeted the Souls games and tried to bring out a whole new series and IP. Um, it wasn't perfect, but a lot of people enjoyed it. But the surge is supposed to be kind of what they've learned from Lords of the Fallen and now where we are today. So that's kind of a, a big thing for people to keep in mind. Excellent.
So Farpoint released, and uh, Farpoint is a PSVR title, uh, something we don't talk about too often, but it is a significant title because it's one that uh, Sony had been um, previewing or really kind of putting out there as a key title for PSVR, and they even created a uh, a new peripheral that comes with the title, you know, kind of like a, a gun that you can use, a gun-shaped move controller, if you will. So this is, uh, you know, it's a sci-fi title, sci-fi shooter, and um, it's one that I believe, you know, if you're if you're an owner of PSVR, it's actually one of the pieces, few pieces of hardware, or one piece of hardware that I don't own right now. Um, but if you have a PSVR and you're looking for something new to play in that, because it's been, again, a little slow burn since the beginning of the year on PSVR, this is supposed to be one of the, the larger titles that Sony has kind of put their weight behind, if you will. So, uh, you know, it could be enjoyable. And then uh, the big title that, of course, Bert and I both want to talk about is Injustice 2. So Injustice 2 released earlier this week. The reviews have been uh, amazing, really, really high overall. Uh, I was traveling early in the week, but I just got back and got started into it yesterday or Thursday, and I'm already just head over heels with it. I, I love it. It's fantastic. It's deep. A uh, ton of different modes. The the character selection is fantastic. The, the story mode was was well written, you know, played out like a great uh, comic book story and uh, again, left it open for a continuation there. So, uh, Bert, I know you've been playing it even more than me. So uh, and you're a big DC fan. What are your thoughts on it? Wow. Uh, the game is very addictive. Um, and if you've played any um, of the NetherRealm games before and the recent releases have been just fantastic from Mortal Kombat and even Injustice 1. Um, that's correct. I'm a big DC fan, and when you play the story, you can really see that NetherRealm is too. Um, a lot of Easter eggs hidden all over the place. They're extremely loyal to subject material. Um, and if you've kept up with any of the comic books that have been released um, outside of the game, it's really cool to kind of see where they're leading everything to even now. I mean, just keep in mind the series is not over and it's still moving, so a lot of cool things. Um, and I've had a blast with it. We, we went online with it last night, um, and it was just great to do it on a King of the Hill standpoint. The, the guild building where you can play together with your friends and earn things together is a lot of fun too. Um, and as I said at the beginning, it's been addictive to the point that I'm looking for all kinds of gear. I'm trying to soup up my characters and have them look different, and it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, I've, I've loved it so far. It's probably, I mean... I'm still early, so this is going to be a bold statement, I realize. But from a depth standpoint, just from the amount of game modes and options, ways you can play, ways you can connect with people, I, I'd venture to say it's probably the deepest fighting game of all time. Um, like I said, not from a fighting mechanic standpoint, possibly, but merely from the ways in which you can play it. And one of the things I want to give a shout-out to NetherRealm as well, you mentioned they've just been... NetherRealm's been killing it, right? I mean, MK9, Injustice, MK10, or MKX, and Injustice 2 have all been fantastic games, and they just continue to evolve and get better. Um, but on this one, I even want to give them a shout-out to just the sheer amount of customization options in the game. For instance, it supports HDR. It, support, it supports home theater sound options. It supports things like... Uh, putting a small input delay even when you're playing offline so that when you compete online you, you're kind of attuned to how that feels because for you know for anyone who plays fighting games the difference between offline and online is usually noticeable um, so th those types of features are just amazing you know there's full ping counters and and kind of uh, network um, 
tracking for anyone you're playing against. So you can pick a room that's either closer to you and, and has a better connection so you don't experience any lag online. Um, fantastic. Uh, they, they really support the fighting community as a company should, and they deserve praise for that. Yeah, something else that's kind of important to the whole thing is the um, the fact that you don't have to go online to enjoy the game. With so many games these days, you have to go online to kind of get the most out of the game. Well, there's things like uh, new features that they've added, which is similar to, I guess, the ladder system and kind of where you'd go through graveyards in Mortal Kombat, but they added what's called the multiverse. And you don't even need to go online for that. And there's hours and hours and hours of gameplay for that. Um, you can do private matches. You can even send your, uh, your setup of uh, three fighters to do kind of AI simulation with other AIs that other people have set up. Um, I've heard of people that haven't even touched online yet, and they're doing tons of challenges with their guilds that are, are kind of earning things. So that's something else that should be kind of um, praised in the sense to where they, they've released a game that has so much um, ability to be played single player and multiplayer, and there's still so much more from it. Yeah, so a, a massive amount of content, innovation in the gear system, um, innovation in the modes like the multiverse you said, and guess what? It all works on day one. You know, which is not something we get to say too often nowadays. But as you mentioned, you and I went online last night, played King of the Hill, had a ball, got our, you know, our butts kicked <laughs> intermittently, <laughs> but uh, we'll get back to it. And uh, it's it's great. So props to NetherRound, props to our, one of our favorite guys in the industry, Ed Boone. Always, always great to uh, see him doing well with his studio. So um, I know Injustice has been your core focus. Are there any other recent releases you've been playing? Yeah, so recent releases, I did mention Hitman earlier. I did kind of come back to that game, and I unfortunately made the mistake of waiting so long to play it. Um, so I, that's been a lot of fun for me. Um, something else is with all the Darksiders news that's been happening, I've actually come back to playing the remastered versions of the Darksiders 1 and 2. And I just recently picked up the uh, Darksiders remastered um, for PS4. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing the first one um, and then finishing the second one with Death um, and kind of coming back to that and getting kind of in tune with the story before the new game releases, even though it's still a ways away. So a little bit of nostalgia for me there. That's one of my favorite games of, of, uh, of last generation um, is kind of the Zelda replacement for me. Um, and I love kind of that story standpoint where you're kind of dealing with uh, the four horsemen and what's going on in hell and all things like that so it's been kind of cool um, i'm looking forward to getting through that one again in a remaster standpoint how about you nice um so I'll, outside of uh injustice now i'm still playing prey uh i think i'm nearing the end there um i've kind of told people that this is so far could be my game of the year so far in 2017. um i really really enjoy it it, it takes everything that System Shock and Bioshock did well for the most part and even does some things better. Um, you know, I'd, I'm not sure that Rapture and that whole environment of Bioshock 1 will ever be touched at this point. It's been 10 years, and in my opinion, no one's touched it yet. Um, but Talos 1, which is the space station you're on in Prey, is really, really cool. Um, you know, the uh, the race that you're fighting against, and I, I don't won't get into any spoilers here, but that's really neat. And just so many things the game does right um, I just I love it. The atmosphere, the the soundtrack, the the creepiness of it, and the ways you can complete objectives in various ways is just fantastic. So I'm uh, going to be writing a review on that. I, I kind of started it, but I hope to have that up uh, in the next couple of days here. But yeah, I'm just loving that. So I'm looking forward to finishing that and then just continuing to play the hell out of Injustice. So 
Yeah, uh, Prey and Near Automata are kind of like my next games that I'm going to be working on. So I look forward to kind of getting to those. And, and I've heard so much good stuff about Prey. So I can't wait to get my hands on it. All right. So one of the segments we're going to do intermittently on the show is to talk about uh, collectibles. So uh, both Bert and I collect various things uh, from, from a video game standpoint, whether it's uh, figures or statues or certain classic games, consoles, etc., and uh, really quickly want to touch on one of the new releases for fans out there. And you can actually see it right here next to me. And this is the AC Worldwide Master Chief Bluetooth Speaker. So AC Worldwide is a company that started by making uh, replica Bluetooth speakers of uh, famous IPs. And they actually started with Star Wars. So they have a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper helmet just like this one. Um, and then this is the speaker here. And it has a, a bottom-mounted subwoofer. And really, their focus has been sound quality. So even though this is kind of a portable and, and not massive speaker in that sense, it really uh, they work with the work with the license. So in this instance, AC Worldwide worked directly with 343 on the coloring and the design and the proportions and the lights and everything to go with it. So it's really authentic. Um, but then you can sync up any Bluetooth device with it and, uh, you know, just play it remotely. It's got a full built-in battery uh, that lasts uh, three to four hours. And uh, the sound quality, I'm a pretty pretty big sound snob, if you will, uh, for lack of a better word. I'll go with audiophile. That may sound better. But um, it's actually pretty impressive, especially for, for the size and, and what it is. Uh, it's clear and concise, and it's got a good mix between your kind of highs and lows. So um, it's, uh, you know, retails. It's not cheap. It retails in the uh, 2 to $250 range, depending on on uh, where you got it from or when you got it. Um, I luckily got it a little bit cheaper just because I was one of the first to order it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you like Star Wars or you really like Halo and uh, you're looking for a Bluetooth speaker that's kind of unique and not your standard just little box that you set up, check it out. Like I said, AC Worldwide and you can find them online. Yeah, so how size-wise, how similar is that to the uh, Halo 3 Collector's Edition um, sizing goes? It looks similar. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you know what's funny about that is I have that sitting in the room right here, too, and I should have brought it down. But this is actually larger. So um, I would say this is about a third larger than the Halo 3 LE helmet. Um, but it, it is a slightly different kind of angle and coloring. This is more of what they call the Halo 5 Chief versus the uh, Halo 3 Chief. And so the coloring, as you can probably see, is a little bit lighter than that classic kind of deeper green. Um, and that's apparently by design. I actually qu questioned 343 about that, and they told me it's absolutely by design. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a decent size. It's got some weight to it, but it's got a, uh, you can't see it here, but there's some buttons mounted on the front bottom here. And then uh, once it syncs up with the device, it'll stay synced. So all, you, all I would have to do, for instance, is turn on my phone's Bluetooth, and it'll automatically sync up, and it has Master Chief's voice on it when it connects, and uh, the visor lights up and the lights light up. So it's, again... It's really playing fan service to people like me who are huge, you know, fans of that IP. Um, so, like I said, if you're a Halo fan or Star Wars fan, it's it's something to check out. <laughs> All right, so um, quite a few games coming up here in this uh, in this next week and or next two weeks, I should say. It's uh, no major releases, if you will, or. I don't know, I'll probably offend someone by saying that, but no, no major releases. But we've got several that I'll just quickly run through. So. This Gaia uh, 5 Complete releases for the Switch next week, and that is uh, traditionally a PlayStation title, but uh, again, part of that kind of supplementing the Switch's uh, library with digital titles. 
Uh, Game of the Year version of Overwatch is coming next week to celebrate the one-year anniversary um, of the game. And it, it apparently offers, you know, the whole suite to this point, along with some, uh, I believe it's 10 loot boxes, if I recall correctly, for a new player to kind of get them going, uh, building their collection. Friday the 13th comes out as well, May 26th, and that's for all platforms as well. That is a title I'm looking forward to and, and one that's been in beta for a while now where, uh, you know, one person plays as Jason and the other players in the multiplayer gameplay as the counselors and their goal is to escape and Jason has to hunt them down. So that looks like a ton of fun. Uh, Rhyme, May 26th as well. And that's a game that was originally going to be published by Sony. Sony ended up dropping it for reasons unknown. And, and now that is coming to all platforms. So um, to the benefit of the players, really. Ultra Street Fighter 2, The Final Challengers, is uh, another interesting digital title for the Switch. Um, you know, Ultra Street Fighter 2 are, are words I didn't think I would utter together uh, in the past decade or 15 years, but um, that looks interesting as well. A title called Get Even comes out on May 26th as well. And Get Even is, it, it looks almost like Condemned. It's kind of like a murder mystery with some horror elements. So it, uh, it looks pretty interesting, and that's coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC as well. And then lastly, on June 2nd is uh, Tekken 7. So that really doesn't need much conversation, right? Tekken's a massive franchise that's coming to all platforms, and so Tekken fans will be anxious to, uh, to get their hands on that one. Anything out of this, uh, these upcoming releases, Bert, that kind of uh, you're looking forward to? Uh, looking forward to uh, Friday the thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth to see what that looks like and plays like. Um, like we've seen this been delayed a number of times, and they've done a, fun, a lot of fine tuning. So I hope it's a lot of fun. Um, and the other one that's going to kind of surprise me is Ultra Street Fighter Two. I'm just curious to see how well that sells. Um, there's been a lot of positive and negative feedback toward it, and I'm curious to see if the Switch crowd picks it up and, and actually ends up buying it. Um, so I, I, I'm a big Street Fighter guy, especially from that time when <laughs> Ultra Street Fighter 2 was around. It's been so long, um, and they've done a lot of cool things to it. So hopefully it sells well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be interesting because, I mean, I don't know what type of market is still out there for Street Fighter 2. You know what I mean? Um, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm looking personally. I'm looking forward to Friday the 13th. As I said, uh, I've been watching some of the developer playthroughs of that, and it just looks like a blast. So I'm really hoping that does well and and launches well, so that it doesn't have a lot of bugs or issues at launch. And then uh, Get Even actually looks real interesting to me. I'm a massive, massive Condemned fan. Um, one of my favorite horror games of all time, and and this looks to be kind of up that alley where you're investigating, but it's seemingly like you don't really know what's going on it looks really creepy so uh, i love that kind of stuff so we'll we'll see how that turns out all right so the main topic tonight that we wanted to cover um before we get too close to e3 you know usually a week or two out from e3 things start to leak and uh half of the information that you thought you were going to get at e3 seems to have already been out in the marketplace so we wanted to kind of get ahead of that and uh you know just kind of take a swing at what we think each of the major conferences is going to hold uh so first up is Nintendo. Now, Nintendo's not holding an official E3 press conference. They they typically have it in recent years, but um, they are having a Nintendo Treehouse event, Nintendo Direct event, where they're going to have, uh, you know, 3DS and Switch obviously on display. They have confirmed that Super Mario Odyssey is going to be playable, which will be the first time any people get their hand or players, excuse me, get their hands on it. And, um, you know, we'll see, obviously, ARMS and Splatoon 2, which are big releases over the summer for the Switch. So it'll be interesting to see, beyond those key titles that we already know of, you know, what else can Switch owners expect over the next 
12 months um, because really that's only three major titles, right? And, and Nintendo has a lot of IPs that are kind of waiting to be resurrected on Switch. So, um, Bert, you've been uh, playing and buying a lot of Switch software and uh, been following Nintendo pretty closely. What, what do you think is going to occur here? Yeah, so I have a feeling that Nintendo is going to be pushing Mario a lot um, in the, the advertising um, side of things. I think we're going to see Mario all over the place. I think they're still going to be pushing their big summer titles that are coming, which are ARMS and Splatoon 2, um, which would be interesting. And the other big thing that a lot of people are kind of uh, not shrugging off, but not really caring too much about and kind of interested in is the new 2DS Excel. Um, that is their new handheld system that is exactly a 3DS Excel, but without the 3D feature. And I think Nintendo's banking on that being a pretty high selling um, item of theirs as far as consoles go. So I'm curious to see if there's going to be tons of those for people to put their hands on, play with. Um, I'm also hoping that we get some Mario gameplay um, and more details on Mario. As we've mentioned um, in some articles of ours in the past, that really doesn't have a firm release date. All we've got from it so far is that it's December 31st, 2017. Uh, most developers just put that on the calendar. That just means they're aiming to have it done in 2017. But I wouldn't be surprised if it slips to 2018 for whatever reason is. Um, Nintendo's kind of notorious for that and their massive titles like Zelda, Mario. Uh, but we really don't know much about Mario yet aside from that trailer that they gave us and the fact that it's going to be kind of an open world type game. And um, I think that's going to be something they're really going to push for, not just Splatoon um, 2 and ARMS. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the, uh, the 2DS because I've never owned a 3DS um, or, you know, that console or platform if you will but uh, i'm kind of interested you know the library is so large at this point in time and there's so many games to play on if this is the final and definitive version of that um that i may pick one up i never really cared for the 3d feature so this seems like it's right up my alley in regards to uh in regards to mario um that is the core reason that i bought a switch you know i know uh tons of people are Zelda fans and the game has gotten praise beyond words, right? So um, I do enjoy it. I'm having a good time with it, but Mario is really where I'm going to get my enjoyment out of the Switch. So I can't wait to see it in more detail. As you said, they really haven't committed to an, a, a release date yet. So they've, they've said that it's going to be playable, but anything can be playable, right? They could offer one hub world or one level of the game without really committing to anything. So it'd be interesting to see what that turns out to be. And then, um, on ARMS, you know, I've seen a lot more footage on ARMS lately, and they've been doing these kind of character reveals over the past few weeks. That's a really interesting title. I don't know what to expect out of it. I don't know if they're going for the true competitive fighter, like, uh, you know, something like Street Fighter, Marvel vs. Capcom, uh, Injustice, which we were just talking about, or if this is going to be something more casual that that um, you know friends can just get together and have a fun time with. So I, I really don't know what to expect of that. It looks kind of I don't know. It looks looks very Nintendo for for whatever that you know, however you take that. But it definitely looks unique, and uh, I don't know the the avenue they're they're really aiming for that. Yeah, the thing with Arms that I thought when they initially announced it back in what was it January of 2017, um, I thought it was more of like a Wii Sports type demo game. It didn't seem that deep to me. It seemed almost kind of like a joke. I was not interested in it whatsoever. Um, and the more I see of it, and the more that Nintendo is spending time advertising, and I'm curious exactly like you are to see if there's more to the game than what we're actually seeing. Um, so I, I just hope it doesn't come out and it's kind of like a flop. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So the next, uh, the next major conference, or the first of the major E3 conferences, is uh, Electronic Arts. 
So Electronic Arts, um, you know, they've got Battlefront 2, which is an obvious one. Um, they've got all their sports titles. You know, they just debuted last week uh, that Brady's going to be on the cover of Madden 18. And uh, you being a Brady fan, we can probably skip right past that. We don't need to talk oh. about Brady. But oh. uh, <laughs> obviously there's FIFA and NHL and those titles. I believe they're bringing back NBA Live, uh, you know, this year as well. Um, but they've also mentioned uh, pretty clearly that they're – Destiny-like IP, uh, which we kind of touched on earlier, is been delayed um, likely until late next year. But it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we get to kind of finally get to see the details or hear the details and hopefully see some footage of what that represents. Because really, Destiny-like could be a number of things. And so I'm kind of curious. I think everyone's curious at this point to see what that game is going to entail and what you know what kind of feature set Electronic Arts has planned for it. Yeah, my predictions for Electronic Arts are I have a feeling they're going to spend a ton of time on Battlefront. Um, people are going to go crazy about it because it's Star Wars. Um, they're also going to be having probably some enhanced uh, demos for people to go and play, some multiplayer stuff. I think multiplayer is going to surprise people a lot. Um, but exactly what you're mentioning on the, um, the game that's being delayed, I'd like to at least have an idea of what was planned or what is coming in the near future. Maybe a tiny little teaser like so many developers do where they share barely anything, but they just tease what's coming. That'd be really cool to see from EA. Yeah, and outside of that, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think they're really going to focus on Battlefront 2. Um, I, I really don't know what else EA is going to show us. I, I hope for something new that nobody knows about. There was a small rumor, um, which seems kind of at odds with the marketing deal they have with Sony, but there was a small rumor that uh, Battlefront 2 would be shown at 4K, 60 frames on Scorpio. Um, so I don't know. That would be pretty big news considering how big that release is planned to be later this year. But uh, we'll have to see. I, I can't really comment or even think of how Electronic Arts could really surprise us um, with anything you know, with anything uh, that we haven't heard of to this, to this point. Yeah, and also Microsoft has that EA accessibility um, through the Microsoft uh, Xbox One. So I'm curious if they'll try to give something extra to those subscribers or if it's just some Scorpio stuff that we're going to get from it. So I'm curious. That's a good point, too. That'd be, it'd be interesting to see how they handle Battlefront 2, uh, even with Sony having the marketing rights. So. And that you know that's a good segue. So next up, on moving to Sunday this year for the first time, is uh, Microsoft. So Microsoft's going to move earlier on Sunday afternoon. Um, according to Phil Spencer, they did that because they really wanted to get ahead and kind of be able to take the time they needed to talk about all the things they wanted to talk about while at the same time, you know, kind of giving them some leeway between when their news comes out and when uh, Sony and Ubisoft and those other major companies come out, obviously. I mean, obviously, they're, they're in direct competition with Sony, so they're trying to give their news some time to get a, amongst the masses before Sony has a chance to respond, if you will. What do you think we're going to see out of Microsoft? I mean, there's some obvious things, right? But do you think, uh, what are your comments on Scorpio and uh, titles around that and anything kind of uh, secret you think they may be working on? Uh, well, if I think of Microsoft and E3, all I think is Scorpio, Scorpio, Scorpio. Um, I think so many people are excited to see, number one, what it looks like. Number two, what it looks like when it's running games. Um, and what it's going to do to our existing games and even old backwards compatible games that exist today, there's been a lot of talk of it even affecting those. Um, with that being said, I have a feeling we're going to get a, uh, a game that's going to surprise a lot of people that will be getting some amazing Scorpio support, kind of like uh, Sony does with their pro support on their games. Um, 
And I think we'll be seeing some uh, Forza stuff. I think the next Forza entry is coming in the near future. And I think we might get a tiny teaser of a Master Chief doing something. So, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, I think Halo Six or some form of Halo will be teased in some form. You know, I mean, we'll see. But I, I can't imagine them going through 2017 E3 without something of that nature. I don't think we'll see anything out of Coalition and Gears. You know, maybe a maybe a snippet of what the the year two or the the rest of the year means for Gears. Fourth to seven is almost a guarantee, right? Um, uh, when Digital Foundry looked at Scorpio, obviously they used Forza 6 Apex, which is the 4K PC version of Forza, as a demo. So, I mean, there, it, no doubt in my mind that Forza 7 in 4K 60 with Porsche right out of the gate will be uh, will be a huge promotion for Scorpio. <clears throat> Games like uh, Shadow of War and uh, some of the larger titles this year, I'm really curious to see what what they'll have on stage. There's a rumor that Microsoft's going to have the marketing deals on a major AAA game. Um, the rumor for a while has been Assassin's Creed Origins, but it could be something like Far Cry 5. Um, it could be something else that we, we don't know. And then, of course, um, you've got the, the major uh, first-party games that we haven't even touched on, right? So you've got Sea of Thieves, you've got Crackdown 3, and you've got uh, State of Decay 2, all major games that... Uh, have really kind of taken a back seat in terms of uh, publicity, right? Sea of Thieves is running their uh, alpha insider views, but there's a strict NDA where the people who are in that can't talk about it. And uh, all we keep hearing from Crackdown and State of Decay developers are, come see us at E3, come see us at E3. So I think, I think at this point, Microsoft realizes that they really need to come out in this E3 and just come swinging right scorpio's got to be a hit people have to wait like the way it looks they have to like the price point and then they really microsoft really has to put some focus behind uh showing these new games and third-party games taking advantage of scorpio um the one thing that's interesting though and i've heard other people talk about this as well is if you're microsoft and you're on stage at e3 and you've got millions of people watching around the world how do you accurately demonstrate the power of scorpio um, and what those games look like compared to competitors um, on that screen. You know, if someone's at home watching on YouTube on their phone or they're watching on a 13-inch laptop screen that's a 1080p screen or even a 720p screen, how do you demonstrate that that market difference that Microsoft is claiming? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to see if um, out after E3 and stuff like that, digital foundries or the, or the folks that spend a lot of time on you know, frames per second resolution, spend more time on it as well. Because to your point, I don't, I remember when uh, the PlayStation Pro did some of their stuff, they had nothing but, you know, text and a few data points as to what the new processors did and stuff like that. But that went over people's head pretty high. And uh, Pro had kind of a cold welcome to say the least. And with uh, Microsoft needing to spend a lot of focus on Scorpio and what it can do and, and sell even existing PS4 people that have, you know, stuck with that console. Um, just based on sales right now, they're going to have to get some of those folks to move over to, to Microsoft or at least have both consoles as well. So they're going to have to demonstrate that in some form. Yeah, I think that uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. I'm glad I'm not the person that has to figure out those details of how you you market Scorpio because, as you said, the pro pro hasn't really been lighting the world on fire. And some of the support, you know, some of my frustrations with the support as an owner of the pro, with like Prey, for instance, you know, Prey is. Digital Foundry showed us there's no difference between 
the standard PS4 and the PS4 Pro, and that's disappointing, right? Especially when the PC version runs uh, far superior. So we'll see what Microsoft does in that regard. Uh, I think the one thing that um, is being downplayed, maybe it could be critics, it could be fanboys, what have you, but um, you know, for people who don't truly understand the specs, uh, there's a lot of um, publications out there saying it's kind of like the PS4 Pro, you know, it's uh, as a console when they try to quickly explain what Scorpio is. Well, it's like the PS4 Pro. Well, it's it's not really. Um, it is substantially more powerful than that and has a lot of unique features in the R&D of that console that really are worth mentioning. Uh, and I think it's it does a disservice to Scorpio and the R&D that Microsoft put into Scorpio for fans and for players to just say, oh, it's just like a PS4 Pro. So I don't know. That could be my own personal opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the, just what's going on to it is interesting. So I'm anxious to see it. You know, I'm waiting. Yeah, one last point on, on that really quick. It'd be interesting to see if Phil Spencer um, comes out and does a mic drop moment, kind of like uh, Sony did to Microsoft back when they were both um, announced. However, uh, Phil Spencer has mentioned numerous times that he's not into, um, you know, fanboying things like that or trying to embarrass the competitor in any form like that as well. Um, but, you know, when Sony did that, it worked really well for a lot of people when they talked about backwards compatibility or not, sorry, not backwards compatibility, um, the always on feature um, when they uh, and other features that Microsoft uh, released with their Xbox One. So I'd, I'd be curious um, to see what's happening there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Um, I guess we'll see. That's uh, part of the fun of E3 is seeing how this stuff unfolds. So uh, the next conference in Sunday evening then is Bethesda. And Bethesda has been kind of killing it lately. You know, I mean, they've got, uh, if you look at them as a, as a overall publisher, you've had Prey and you've had, uh, you've had Dishonored 2, which won all sorts of awards. Obviously, you have Fallout and Elder Scrolls, which are the, the major, major IPs under uh, um, Todd Howard's team. So um, you know, the expectation out of Bethesda here is, again, no one really knows for sure what's coming, but the expectation is we may see Evil Within 2, which has been rumored for a while, uh, and the new Wolfenstein game. And what that represents, we're not sure, but, uh, you know, the most recent Wolfenstein, again, got rave reviews. It was really hailed as one of those uh, great single-player first-person shooter stories. And um, one of the other major rumors for Bethesda, um, which they actually talked about last year as well, is Fallout 4 VR. So Fallout 4 was a major, major success for them. Um, if it was coming to VR, that would be really interesting to see what platform in VR it came to, because that would be the definition of a system seller for that VR platform. And all we know is that in the past, or last year, I should say, they, they had a pretty cozy relationship with Microsoft. Um, and it was the rumor right now is that, you know, we may see some form of Fallout 4 VR on Scorpio with, uh, you know, potentially any of the headsets Scorpio is going to support. So what are your thoughts here? Wolfenstein Evil Within. I know you were a big uh, Evil Within fan, if, if I recall correctly. And uh, what do you think? Yeah, both of those games, actually. Wolfenstein was my favorite shooter in current generation um, until games like Halo came out, Doom, and other stuff. Uh, if you haven't played Wolfenstein, it's actually great. Um, the story's fun. Um, the direction they've gone with a lot of the gun mechanics and some of the gore that exists in the game is, is really good. Yes, I also loved uh, Evil Within. I even played the DLC that came out with it. It was a lot of fun. It was kind of the, the first side of the Resident Evil-type games that we got to see with a different, darker take 
Um, and it still plays well. Um, it's, it definitely is not a um, second generation piece of software for either the PS4 or Xbox One, um, but it, it still plays really well. Um, something that I think could be coming from Bethesda is the Skyrim for the Switch. Um, we talked about that a bit when the Switch was announced. They showed some, um, I guess, gameplay, but more of a trailer as to what could be on the Switch. So I think we could see a little bit more of that. Um, I don't know if they're going to spend a little bit of that time when Nintendo is presenting um, their, you know, their software coming up, despite Nintendo not really having a true E3, but I bet you we see some of that from them as well as Bethesda. Um, but that could be a bit of a surprise from the VR standpoint if Microsoft has some exclusive stuff in Fallout and to go VR with the new Scorpio, that could kind of go hand in hand with a pretty big announcement. Yeah, you bring up a great point. I'd actually forgotten about, you know, Skyrim on the Switch. In fact, you know, um, it was one of the games that was shown in that very first Switch uh, commercial they did, right? So, um be interesting to see if we get that. I would have to imagine at this point, since there's been no news, that that would be something we'll see, as you said, in either their conference or Nintendo's uh, kind of the direct thing they're doing. So interesting. Uh, after that, we move into Monday, and uh, early Monday is Ubisoft. So Ubisoft, uh, you know, last year they had uh, Watch Dogs 2 and, um, and another wow. type. Thank you for honor earlier this year. Yeah, which was actually apparently sold extremely well, um, as we we've kind of touched on before, and I've posted some articles on the site about. But uh, in an interesting kind of uh, scenario here, Ubisoft has come out themselves over the past few weeks and kind of told us what we can expect from E3. So I, I don't know if they were just trying to get ahead of leaks or what, but essentially we know that we're going to get a look at Far Cry Five, The Crew Two. Uh, South Park, the fractured butthole, which is always fun to say, and uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. So, um, you know, from a, those are four large IPs. And we now know, of course, that South Park is coming out October 17th, if I recall correctly. They just gave the release date last week. Um, but we don't have any kind of hard details on the other three just yet. Um, you know, Far Cry, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of. I, I 100% of Far Cry 4. I really enjoyed it. Primal, I only played briefly. It, it, there was really nothing wrong with it. I think I got distracted by other games again. But um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Far Cry 5 to see if it's uh, a new take or if they really try to expand that, that game a little bit. Because I think it's gotten stale for some people. Uh, same thing goes for Assassin's Creed. You know, They took a year off and they kind of um, spent a lot more time, it seems, kind of trying to reinvent or hopefully reinvent what Assassin's Creed is. Um, in terms of South Park, I know you love the, the Stick of Truth. I never personally played it, but uh, you've been excited for the, the Fractured Butthole. So what are your thoughts on Ubisoft here? Yeah, Fractured Butthole. I don't know how many times you can say that. <laughs> um, but one of the things that's uh, pretty funny is with South Park, I played it when it came out on 360. Um, and I played it again when it came out on backwards compatibility for the Xbox One. Um, and I, I just it's fantastic from a... Um, the details that they spent with uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone with the characters from South Park, they're all there. I mean, um, and if you've watched throughout the seasons, they've, gosh, what are they, season 18 now or something for that show. Um, you, a lot of people, things that were at the beginning of the seasons were in that game. So I'm curious to see where they take the, the sequel to the game as far as story goes. Um, they are, t they tend to be kind of original stories with clues of what happened in the past with them. So South Park looks really good. I was pretty sad when it got delayed again. 
actually got delayed twice in the past seven months. It was supposed to be out in fall of 2016, then they pushed it to um, early uh, 2017, and now it's all the way um, to the fall of 2017. So really sad to see that go. Um, one thing that was interesting this week from um, the game sales charts, um, as far as the highest selling game for 2017 so far, was Ghost Recon. Um, I didn't see that happening. Um, I, I'm, I've kind of backed off some of the Ghost Recon stuff because they come out and they're so buggy. Um, but I was surprised to see that it's selling so well above a whole bunch of other games that um, are bigger releases from a system standpoint that are more exclusives. So with this being kind of a cross-platform game, I can kind of see why it outsold things like maybe Horizon um, or uh, Zelda um, on Nintendo. But it was a bit a big surprise for me. So Ubi's doing really well, um, and I was actually glad that Assassin's Creed took a break this year because they've just haven't been the same. Even though Syndicate was one of my favorite Assassin's Creeds um, that has come out recently, it's just the way they did London was kind of mind blowing in the story. So with the new one coming, I can't wait to see more of it. The way it plays, the story behind it. Uh, the rumors are it's going to be in Egypt, um, but uh, we'll see. Um, and with Far Cry. Um, I've kind of backed off that one as well. It just seems like a lot of the same stuff recycles. So I hope they bring something fresh to that franchise. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when I saw the sales charts and Ghost Recon being the number one selling game this year, I was kind of baffled. You know, it's like, what? What? I don't, I don't understand how that happens. And then, you know, last year, The Division was one of the top selling titles all year as well. Um, so I it seems like Ubisoft has these massive hits and, and for whatever reason, there's a percentage of the community that stops playing it or gets really angry about bugs or just issues with the game they don't care for. But for whatever reason, these games still sell and continue to sell. So we'll see. Um, the one title we didn't touch on was the crew too. It's probably the smallest of the four in terms of audience. Um, I know, I think we both, if I recall correctly, tried the crew when it first launched it again, we're talking about the same thing. It seemed to have some bugs. It seemed to not be fully polished. And from what I hear from people, it, it became a, a much better game over time. But I never went back to it. And it'll be interesting to see, one, again, how the how it launches the crew, too. But if they bring any new features to that racing genre, you know, Forza Motorsport is spectacular. Forza Horizon is almost off the charts at this point. Um, Horizon 3 is probably the best open world racing game maybe ever at this point especially with the blizzard mountain and hot wheels expansion now which people are adoring um but i just i need to see what they can do with that game uh to really pull in car fans like we are i mean you and i are are literally their key audience for a game like the crew and yet neither of us really spend any time on the crew that i'm aware of i mean what do you think yeah, the crew got a little silly for me in a number of areas when it came to the way you could mod the cars, uh, turning a sports car into an SUV and putting big wheels on it was kind of silly. Um, but at the end of the day, the reason we didn't pick it up at the beginning was because of the bugs, um, exactly what you mentioned um, with Ubisoft in general, as we've kind of seen games in the past. They launched, they're extremely buggy. I mean, the division got a complete rework. Um, but they sell like crazy, um, which is good at the end of the day because after they sell like crazy, you can find them really cheap used. Um, if you're looking to do that, um, or they have really big sales new. Um, I've seen numerous Assassin Creed's that release in the fall, and by Christmas time, they're $40 um, on sale somewhere. So I, Ubisoft makes a lot of really good things. I wish they would polish their games a bit more instead of trying to you know, meet a release date or a release schedule somewhere. Um, with the crew, um, I'll have to see more for that before I get way too excited. But a lot of people played it, and it still has a big following. So I think they're going to meet their numbers pretty easy there. 
So then finishing up the major conferences on Monday evening is Sony. And Sony has a uh, interesting reputation depending on who you speak to with their E3 conferences. So they, uh, you know, looking at 2016 in particular, they really came out and showed a lot of impressive trailers, um, which really got their fan base excited, you know, and not just the people who only buy Sony consoles, but basically anyone who plays on a PlayStation at all. Um, really saw this uh, kind of gorgeous future of what to expect on the PlayStation platform. Um, and that included things like, you know, Spider-Man and Detroit and Death Stranding and all these things. But, um, you know, depending on who you speak to, like I said, it's also a little controversial because in the end, there really wasn't a lot of things shown um, that were releasing or had scheduled release dates. And... Um, you know, I think for some, like myself, Death Stranding is a perfect example. It got a lot of press. Uh, we saw articles of it everywhere, and then we saw the trailer everywhere, and it's really intriguing and interesting. Um, but they only announced, you know, late last year that they had decided on an engine for that game. And that seems just uh, kind of bizarre, because what that means, of course, is that we can't expect to see that in production for years yet. Um, you know, but we kind of joke around uh, among people that play the games that it could be 2019, even 2020 before we see the game in reality. Um, so that's a little strange. But regardless, um, with Sony, we actually have a few release dates of games that are coming out uh, later in the summer already. Uh, that includes the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. Um, that license of Crash Bandicoot, surprisingly, is owned by Activision nowadays. But regardless, that's coming as a kind of complete remaster with new animations and 4K support. Um, on June 30th, and then we have Uncharted Lost Legacy, the uh, kind of uh, side adventure, if you will, to Uncharted 4. Uh, that's coming out on August 22nd uh, at $39.99, and it's still supposed to be about a 10-hour campaign, so really looking forward to that one. And then finally, something I'm really excited for is uh, the new Hot Shots Golf. So it's been renamed Everybody's Golf, similar to the Japanese version. And that has a release date of August 29th. So we know those things are already out there and coming. Bert, <clears throat> in terms of what we can expect to see from Sony at, uh, at the E3 this year, um, you know, they, they have a lot of things in development. What specific things are you expecting to see from them? Yes, I'm pretty excited as well. And me being a big Naughty Dog fan, um, some of the stuff that you've mentioned already is pretty exciting already, especially with the Uncharted series being the biggest selling exclusive um, from Uncharted 4 and the Sony PS4 lineup as far as existing library games. So that's exciting. Um, in one of my recent articles regarding exclusive, I did write a little bit about some of the games that we've heard a lot about, but um, at E3 uh, and a lot of big trailers shown, but we don't see anything from development. And that's kind of got me intrigued as to what we may see this year. Um, we saw uh, God of War get some awesome footage and that looks really fun. Um, I think both of us are big God of War fans. We've played them. Um, the problem with that one is the voice actor um, kind of leaked some information. That's not rumored to come out until 2018. So it's kind of unfortunate. I bet we'll see some more gameplay though and kind of more features that are expected from them. So I, I'm liking that a lot. Gran Turismo Sport has already had their beta uh, come out, and that looks really cool from a graphics and, and uh, gameplay standpoint. However, it's gonna, I'm kind of afraid it's going to come kind of light on content compared to Forza 7 that we're almost expecting to see at E3. Um, however, you know, it's the first Gran Turismo we're finally going to see on PS4. So I think we'll see some more gameplay. I bet they'll be showing some uh, gameplay for the people that are there to actually get their hands on it outside of the beta. Um, and then, you know, a couple of years ago, we saw something about Shinmu finally coming. 
Um, you know, is it Shinmu 3? Uh, as far as, is it going to be a full story? Is it going to come episodic? You know, what are we kind of seeing? Um, where is it? Uh, we saw it and we saw the crowdfunding behind it. We still haven't seen anything and it was, you know, showcased with Sony. A um, couple other ones that we've talked about in our articles that have literally seen almost nothing, but uh, people are clamoring for more details and gameplay and something more than a screenshot um, is the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, they have said that this is going to be episodic, um, but we are still looking for that to be hopefully um, in 2018. We have heard it's not coming in 2017, so that's kind of unfortunate. But uh, once again, since it's been announced, we haven't heard anything about it. And with Kingdom Hearts 3, um, once again, very little gameplay that we've seen. Maybe a screenshot or two have come out in the past year, um, but still no firm due dates. Um, one big thing that's been rumored for a long time and that both of us would probably get really excited about is Bloodborne 2. Um, I'm interested to see if they're going to you know, soup up the way that looks and the gameplay just because now we have the PS4 Pro and we'll hopefully be getting some enhancements. And man, that game would be amazing in 4K. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I think a Bloodborne 2 announcement would uh, be that sort of, not even mic drop moment, but you know something that the crowd would just go wild for. So I would love to see it. We know that From Software has said they're not making any Souls, more Souls games, at least you know for the time being. So this is one that's kind of expected just because we know it was a huge, hugely popular game. Uh, rave reviews, sold well, uh, almost called a you know exclusive system seller. So we can hope. Uh, there's a few others, you know, Days Gone is something they showed last year. That's expected to have a heavy, pre uh, heavy presence, excuse me. So that's from uh, Ben Studio, the guys who did Uncharted Golden Abyss on the Vita and Siphon Filter. And then uh, things like Detroit Become Human and uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a popular, uh, really popular game from last year. And with the movie coming this year, um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all to, for that to have a big preference. Uh, presence. Why can't I say presence today? Um, <clears throat> lastly, the uh, the biggest thing you know, I think on everyone, even bigger than Bloodborne Two, would be Last of Us Two. Uh, that was shown at PSX. It uh, <laughs> the crowd went kind of nuts. It was not expected. A huge, huge announcement. One of my favorite games of all time. I think one of yours as well. Um, so, you know, hopefully we get a little more on that because that's one I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to probably more than almost any other game. So <clears throat> that kind of covers everything across the, the main conferences. So let me ask you this, Bert, if you look across these conferences, whether it's Sony or someone else, you know, what do you think in terms of kind of a crazy prediction or something you think is unlikely but could happen? What do you, uh, you think of anything we could see? Yeah, so I'm going to go kind of out on a limb here and be kind of crazy, as you mentioned. Um, I think we're going to get a tease of some sort from the Sony PS5. Uh, my main reason for thinking that is because I think with all the new hardware talk and um, other things that are happening and with the PS4 Pro kind of releasing to a lukewarm um, sales figures, I think they're going to have to do something in order to uh, get the audience kind of excited about what's coming from the future of Sony, despite them having a crazy lead in console sales. Uh, with the Scorpio being released this E3, I think they're going to try to take some steam from Scorpio and maybe show something like a five to 10 second, just tiny little light show up and PS5 light up towards the end of their conference and that'll get them going. Um, I think Last of Us 2 is going to be a big surprise as to what they might show, but when it kind of pales in comparison to what a console release would do, um, I think that will, will do something. Um, I'd like to dream big and think there might be a Vita sequel or a Vita 2 or something. 
Um, that's been rumored through some patents that have kind of come out in the, in the recent uh, kind of uh, patent office that's happening. But I, I don't know if Sony's going to take another risk um, with a Vita again, especially with the Switch out. Um, how about you? Um, yeah, you're swinging for the fences. So I think uh, <laughs> I, th I think you're you're a little crazy. Um, I I don't think we'll see anything from Sony in terms of PS5. I think it's uh, with the PS4 Pro and PSVR being new hardware last year, um, and then like you like you said, they have a huge lead in sales right now, about two to one overall in the market compared to the uh, Xbox One. I think that Sony's going to really double down. They, they, you know, I think we'll probably see some big software for PSVR to try and give that another push. You know, that seemed to come out of the gate hot, and then it's just really kind of died off. Um, but I think with PS4 Pro, we'll see something where they kind of, uh, you know, take advantage of having the year-old hardware. And that sounds kind of weird, but what I mean by that is they'll most likely see a price drop. We might see a bundle. We might see some uh, exclusive console design. So, you know, imagine if they come out with something like a, a Spider-Man-themed uh, PS4 Pro. You know, collectors and comic book fans would would be uh, all over that. So I think that's what we'll see. I, I certainly don't think, uh, I think it's far too early to see something like a PS5. In terms of a, a new Vita, well, um, I think I can speak for both of us that we both loved our Vita. Great piece of hardware. Um, just feel it didn't get the support that it should have, which is kind of a shame. But um, for big predictions, I think, uh, you know, one thing that I've been thinking about for a while, if you look at the timeline that, uh, Microsoft has had in terms of when Phil Spencer took over and they started this kind of reorg of the whole Xbox structure, if you will. Um, I think that Microsoft is sitting on a lot of unique IPs that have been dormant for far too long. And I think it's about time we see one or some of those come back. Uh, preferably, I would love to see, love, love, love to see Banjo 3. You know, it's been... 15 years or however long since we got Banjo-Tooie and the the fans of those 3D platformers like myself have been clamoring for that forever. So with Ukulele being a, a big hit and very popular and Crash Bandicoot and um, Psychonauts 2 and all those kind of platformers coming back, I think uh, that's a possibility. And then I also think they might do something with Joanna Dark. You know, Perfect Dark was a, a big IP. It was a massive hit on the N64. You know, they tried to bring it back when 360 launched with Perfect Dark Zero, and we all try to forget about that game because, quite frankly, it's uh, not very good at all. Um, went back and played it recently, and it's almost unbearable. Uh, please don't do that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't very good to begin with, and, uh, you know, it's 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 aged poorly. So that, that about tells you all you need to know. But I think Joanna Dark as a character is far too cool and has too much potential uh, to just let that die off. I, I'd love to see something like a Tomb Raider-like reboot of Perfect Dark with uh, a large world, a cool sci-fi universe, and gadgets and all those things. So I, that's what I think. I don't know if it would be one of those two, but I think Microsoft is going to surprise us with a new IP in some form. All right, so one of the um, segments we're going to do on our podcast is where Bert and I each take a classic game that we loved and uh, loved to go back to or loved in our childhood, something that uh, brings that feeling of nostalgia back, and just kind of uh, bring it out, talk about it, why we loved it, and uh, you know how it holds up today, if it does hold up today. So, Bert, you want to go ahead and start with yours? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the uh, Microsoft uh 
Xbox One, not the Xbox One console, but the original Xbox. And I'm going to talk about um, Jade Empire. Uh, back in the glory days of Bioware um, and Microsoft's relationship, as you can see, the only on Xbox thing. This game was fantastic from an action RPG. Um, at the time, Bioware had only done something simple as, uh, not simple at all, but uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Um, and they were getting into the console there with this type of game. And uh, Jade Empire just had an amazing story, had really cool gameplay for the time, um, and the game got rave reviews. So um, that's my game this year for, <laughs> this week, I should say, for Season Reflections. Yeah, good pick, man. I, I love Jade Empire. I'm one of those people that have been uh, kind of waiting for a follow-up to that game since, since it released. So it's, uh, it'd be awesome to see if uh, that ever came back. For mine, I'm going back to the Sega Genesis and a game called King's Bounty. So um, I'm sure many people have never heard of this game, but uh, it was one of my favorites as a kid. Really enjoyed playing it. I can still play it today and enjoy it. And it's it's kind of unique. Essentially, you uh, you kind of sail around this this flat world map, and you your goal is to recover this scepter, and you have to find it. What's really unique about this game is every time you start a new game. It's a randomly generated world, which was, uh, you know, not too common back then, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. So <clears throat> you would sail around to different uh, parts of the land and you would build up an army of knights and ghouls and wizards and things like that. And then you would kind of take over land and search for this scepter by piecing together a puzzle of the map and you could eventually find it. And then, like I said, when you would, uh, if you would eventually find it, then you, you'd beat the game, which was pretty difficult. And even if you did that, if you wanted to play it again and try some different things, the world would completely reset. So really neat. Um, you can still play it today. I don't think it's a game I'm aware of anyway that was ever kind of brought back on the newer systems. It may be part of that Sonic collection on the uh, Xbox 360, but I, I honestly don't recall. But, uh, you know, if you ever, ever want to look that up, that was King's Bounty. So big favorite of mine. And so with that, I think uh, I think we are done. Uh, like I said, I really want to thank everyone for joining our debut episode here. Um, this is something we're going to be putting together bi-weekly. So every other Sunday, we'll be publishing this on our YouTube channel. You'll also be able to find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. We'll get those up as well. Please, 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 if you enjoy it, uh, rate us, subscribe, um, and uh, open to feedback. So if you'd like to provide feedback, if you'd uh, like to ask any questions, we are going to be doing segments in the future where we kind of answer reader questions. Um, please let us know what you think. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to mention too, we do a lot of shorter videos as well um, that will cover certain topics or certain conversations that we've been having and we want to show and share with you guys. So um, on our current Facebook group, we're getting together with an Injustice 2 guild. So if you're playing Injustice and you're looking to join a guild, uh, we have that up. Our guild ID number is A13DJ and that's D as in dog, J. So um, join us. You can kind of unlock stuff together. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and we're going to put that up on our site as well. So like we said, um, you know, we're looking for members to join that guild. Uh, we've got some uh, recent articles up that are uh, pretty unique. So I believe, Bert, you posted your article on uh, on whether exclusives still matter to the consoles, and you did a, an excellent 11-minute video on that as well. Um, and then I put an article up recently around 3D platformers, which we touched on today, and uh, kind of their resurgence in the industry. So good stuff out there to check out. Like I said, if you enjoy our site, if you enjoy the podcast, please, uh, please let us know. Take care, everyone.